Well, Psalm 123, if you haven't turned there already, go ahead and uh, open quickly to Psalm 123. We're continuing our series through the Psalms of Ascents. This would be another one of those just appropriate for singing along the way on a journey as we're all on. The, the title of this morning's message is Looking for Mercy When You Just Can't See. Looking for Mercy When You Just Can't See. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word and just uh, an attentiveness to His voice as we listen for it in the Scriptures. I'm reading out of the ESV. Hear the word of the Lord. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Well, Lord, you know how grateful we are for your word and the confidence we have in it as a true and living divine word. We open it now as always with the expectation we'll hear it in just that way. We open ourselves to what you have for us. And God, we pray that you would have your way. Bend the hearts of everyone whose ears are attuned to you right now. Make us pliable in your hands to be what it is you want us to be, to do what it is you want us to do, um, that you may be glorified in our very lives. And so we ask to that end that you would speak your word by your spirit through your servant to your people and for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. And you may be seated. Well, there was a news article recently about a 20-year-old uh, young man named Alex Kearns who took his own life after encouraging huge financial losses trading uh, stock options. It actually, uh, there was, it made the news again this past week because his, his parents had fought, filed a lawsuit in connection with his death. And the event was actually back in June of last year. But he had been using the Robinhood trading app. And some of you are familiar with that and others not. But just an, an app you can download on your phone and trade financial securities. And uh, it, it really is designed for that beginner sort of entering um, that sort of enterprise or whatever of, of trading securities. And Alex had been using the app and opened it one day to find he had a negative balance of $730,000. And uh, he thought that's how much he had owed. He, he thought he owed somebody $730,000 that day. And uh, what... It, it turned out that was not the case in, in the long run. That's uh, what came to light, which actually makes the story that much more tragic. But in that moment, Alex panicked. Now, he was confused because he never had anywhere close to that amount of money. Uh, he, he thought he was just risking how much 
he had or what he owned. He knew trading was risky. He knew he risked losing everything he had. He never imagined he risked losing three quarters of a million dollars of what somebody else had. And somehow he had uh, the authorization, the leverage to lose that kind of money. He, he tried to reach out to Robin Hood's customer service department. Uh, there, there actually was really no such department. There wasn't even a phone number to call. He had to email customer service, and, and he, he did that multiple times, only got automated replies to it. It was the equivalent of, hi, Alex, thanks for contacting customer service. We'll get back to you later. It, was, it wasn't exactly those words, but that was essentially the message and very much automated replies. He, he, he wanted answers and no answers were forthcoming, and he was utterly distraught. As his father would put it later in a news interview, quote, he, he thought he blew up his life. He thought he screwed up beyond repair, end quote. No matter how he looked at the situation, it was desperate and hopeless. He was in way over his head. I mean, way over his head, way over what he could even imagine his head getting into. And he, and he couldn't see a way out. And he ended his life. Well, it's hard to imagine despair going much deeper than that, and certainly hard to imagine the ending being any more tragic than that. But to lesser degrees, uh, every one of us visits places in our lives where we, where we say, I, I can't see. I just can't see. Uh, I can't see a way out of this situation. I don't see a solution to this problem. No matter how I look at it, I, I just can't see how this is going to work out. I don't see how things are ever going to be any different. Things like that. And you know what that feels like. And maybe some people are in a place right now where they're saying essentially that, that same kind of thing. And, and Psalm 123 speaks really to and about a whole community that feels that way. It's, it's called a communal lament, meaning it expresses the collective grief uh, of an entire community. In some way, they're afflicted or oppressed as a whole people. So think of uh, slave songs, for example. Slaves in the American South who would, would sing songs as they worked or as they walked or uh, doing other things together. But together they were an oppressed people. They shared the same kind of hardships, afflictions, and despair in common. And so when one person sang a, a lament, everybody else knew exactly what that meant. That their heart resonated with that. There, need, there needn't be any explanation. They knew exactly where they were coming from. And probably in many parts of the world, this experience would be common to minorities of different sorts. Many places in the world this would be true. If you're ethnic minority, uh, a racial minority, religious minority, in lots of places, you would be subject all the time to scorn and contempt and mistreatment and so on. And and, uh, and just have no power to do anything about it. That's just your station in life. And so for people like that, this psalm would be especially meaningful as communal lament. 
On that level, most of us probably don't identify. We don't relate. We have a difficult time at least relating to it because that's just not our situation as a community. But there are plenty of other ways on a, on a more individual level where we reach the point of being in desperate need of God's mercy because we just can't see a way out. And so it can be the person who years ago made a career decision and headed down a path that now seems very much like it has led to a dead end. It might have been a particularly specialized field where you, you needed some certifications that were really specific and narrow and technical or maybe some other technical training and that kind of thing, but it's just, it's, it's come to a point where those have been rendered almost obsolete because of rapidly changing technologies or uh, lines of business or different kinds of things. You just, uh, you, you find yourself uh, just at a place where you're at a dead end. It might be because uh, you, you've, you've gone down a path that the longer you've been on it has been more and more unfulfilling and in a different way, but to the same degree, you're at a place of feeling like, is this, is this all there is? I don't, I, I don't even know a way forward now. I can't see, I can't, I can't start over. I'm, I'm way too far into this. I'm too old. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just too far in, you know, vocationally or whatever, whatever the case may be. You just feel like, you just don't know a way forward or a way back, a way out. I can't, I just can't see how to get out of this. It could be deep financial distress, maybe not to the same degree as Alex Kearns, but uh, maybe through a, a, a series of, uh, you know, poor decisions over a period of time. It could be something catastrophic and sudden that has happened that has put you in deep. But again, you see, I, I don't know, I don't know how I'm ever going to get out of this. It just keeps getting worse. Maybe a series of medical issues. Maybe a student who's bullied in school would feel very much that way. Or the adult who's bullied in the workplace. And it might not rise necessarily to the level of, you might not describe it that way, but you know you need this job, you need that income, and, and you go every single day knowing that you're subjecting yourself to the scorn and mistreatment, at least the potential for that, from some individual or individuals. And that's just part of what you, you have to endure, and you don't see any way out of it. Maybe there's no room for advancement because of those same people. Maybe there's the doors are closed to you to move laterally to another department for the same reasons. And, and once again, you don't see how to, how to get out. But I can't see, I don't see. It's a common experience. If you live long at all, you will find yourself in that place at one time or another. And so when you are in that place, and nothing but mercy will do, nothing but mercy will do, how do you look for mercy when you just can't see? Well, Psalm 123, I think, would suggest to us, number one, that you look to the Lord with eyes of faith. And number two, that you cry out to the Lord with what's really on your heart. I want to take these short, this short psalm under those headings. Verses 1 and 2 really speak to uh, this issue of looking to the Lord with eyes of faith. So we're given this analogy 
of looking to the Lord the way servants would look to their master. And how is that? Uh, how, how, how do eyes of faith look? Well, number one, with intentionality. Uh, looking is different than just seeing, isn't it? I mean, in a, in, a, in a lot of ways, a lot of times, seeing is 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 usually more passive. So we might say things like, "I was out kayaking and uh, and I saw some dolphins," or "I was driving down the highway and I saw a shooting star." Well, I wasn't out hunting for dolphins, right? I wasn't out dolphin watching on my kayak, or I wasn't out driving in a particular direction expecting to see a shooting star just they happened to appear in my field of vision at the particular time i was in that location i wasn't intentional but looking involves a willful decision to set your sight in a particular direction or at a particular person or thing uh, expecting to see something waiting to see something it's intentional and willful and so when you reach the point of saying, you know, no matter how I look at the situation, I just can't see how this is going to work out. Uh, the first corrective action to take is to stop looking at the situation. <laughs> when, you, when you say, no matter how I look at the situation, I just can't see, stop looking at the situation and look to the Lord. And as trite and cliche as that sounds, the fact of the matter is sometimes that there, you're, there really is no solution that you're going to see or that you're going to come with. The reason you can't see a solution is because there, there isn't one on any human level. And, and looking at the situation over and over and over again isn't going to find one there. It's only going to drive you more deeply into a despair. So stop looking at the situation and look to the Lord with intentionality. Uh, secondly, eyes of faith look with submission. One of the things that masters can do with with their hands as it says here the eyes of the servant uh, as the eyes of a servant look to the hand of their master so our eyes look to the lord one of the things a master can do with his hands is direct his servants go there go there stop just wait settle down <laughs> i mean there's any any number of ways a master can signal give guidance and direction with his hands. And so a servant looks to the master for guidance with the intention of obeying him. He looks to the hand of his master with the intention of obeying him. So even while we wait in a desperate place where we can't see solutions, and we wait in that place with hope of being delivered from that place, we're to serve and obey the Lord right where we are. And that's part of what's involved with looking at, in looking with eyes of faith as we look with submission at how the Lord's going to direct us to be obedient right in the place where we are. Third, we look with dependency. Because the other thing a master can do with his hands is provide. A servant looks to the hand of his master to provide. Whatever it is the servant needs, he has to depend on the master to meet the need. And for the person in need of divine mercy, uh, there's no substitute for divine mercy. When you really need mercy, there's no substitute for mercy. If there were a substitute, you would have already taken advantage of it, right? 
You would have already, you'd already worked your way out of there if you had any way of working your way out of there. When you're really in need of mercy, there's no substitute for mercy. And so you, you have to look to the Lord with a sense of dependency on Him. The fourth thing eyes of faith do is look with trust. Because while servants look to their masters uh, to meet their needs and to provide for them, it is possible for earthly masters not to be good. It's possible for masters to cheat servants out of what is owed to them. It's one of the injustices that the Bible uh, essentially rails against. Um, but it's not, only, it's, it's not only an ancient phenomenon. I mean, there are still employers to this day. Right now, this week, probably in countless numbers, that have found some way to shortchange uh, people who work for them. If there's any, any ways they can cut corners or cheat people out of what's owed to them, there are always people who will do it. They'll cheat, cheat their servants out of what they're um, owed. But the Lord is a good master. You ought to think about from time to time. See, we take this for granted. Uh, but I think sometimes the reason the Bible says this over and over and again, especially in the Psalms where it says the Lord is good. Because not all kings are good. Not all masters are good. And, and as people who know what it's like to live at the mercy of other people, they have lived at the mercy of evil people. But the Lord is good. And when we look to him with eyes of uh, trust and with submission, with dependence, and we know we can have confidence um, that he will do what it is that he said he will do, that he will take care of us his servants. Uh, the fifth way that eyes of faith look is with expectancy. So the end of verse 2 says, uh, So our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy on us. Till. Till he has mercy on us. I keep looking intentionally uh, until Mercy comes. That's what the psalm says. There's every expectation that mercy is going to come. The Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Assurance of things hoped for. I mean, the, the, the hopeless person who can only hope in the Lord can have the assurance in the things hoped for. That's what faith is. And so I suppose it wouldn't really be eyes of faith without expectancy. And so the, the number one thing we need to do when, we're, when, we're, when we just can't see, we just can't see a way out, the solution, uh, that we look to the Lord with eyes of faith. The second thing is we cry out to the Lord with what's really on our heart. I'll say to you, cry out to the Lord with what is really on your heart. And look at 
verses 3 and 4 and how they articulate this. Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy on us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. You know, twice he says, have mercy on us. It can also be translated, be gracious to us. And it is in uh, at least one modern translation. But uh, be gracious to me, Lord. Throw me a line. Help me out. Do me a favor. God, I can't do this myself. You're going to have to take care of this one. Lord, I need you to take care of this one. That's the cry of the heart of the psalmist here. Have mercy on us. It's not just some religious recitation. It is a cry of a heart. God, throw me a line here. I can't do this myself. He says it twice. And also twice he says, we've had more than enough. More than enough. Um, it's like uh, when you have eaten and had seconds and then somebody a asks you, uh, would you like some more? And you say, oh goodness, no, I've had way more than enough. And you really have had more than enough. You know it would not be good for you or anybody else if you eat more right now because you've already maxed out there. I've had more than my fill. I think there may be a translation that actually reads that way. Maybe the NIV says something along those lines. I've had more than my fill of, of scorn and contempt. Can you pray that way? See, here's the obstacle we have to get beyond in really crying out this way. Is, is we, have to, we have to just resolve not to be polite and restrained in our prayers. I'm not suggesting that we be irreverent toward God or crass or rude or that kind of thing, but uh, that, that, we, that we are not uh, superficially restrained by our own sense of being proper or polite in our prayers, but that we really pray what is on our heart. As the psalm says, we've had more than enough. And so when you're at that place where you, 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 what you're really feeling is, God, this is too much. This has gone on too long. I can't take this anymore. Say it then. Say it. And, and some well-meaning Christian friend, if they, if they were to hear you say that, would surely tell you, well, you know, if God still got you in that situation, you haven't had more than enough yet. He won't give you more than you can bear. Ah. You know, okay. I mean, technically, th that's true, but it's like so many things that are true and yet unhelpful. Because if, 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 your, if your theology in some way w w doesn't allow you to pray the Psalms, you need to adjust your theology somehow. If you can't sing out of God's song book, because somehow it seems improper for you to do, you're being too proper. And it just, that, 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 that sort of uh, redirection, misdirection, just misses the point. Because what is the burden of your heart that you would tell a trusted friend uh, if you had the opportunity. The, the burden of your heart that has you just exasperated and ready to give up. And, and, if, and if you had uh, an opportunity to, to, 
to just vent to a, a trusted friend who you knew would listen to you, what is it you would say? If you were, if you were meeting with a counselor because you're so despondent and you just had an opportunity to really unload your heart, what is it that you would say? Well, say it to the Lord. Tell the Lord about it. That's exactly the invitation of this psalm. To say, God, I've had enough. I've had too much. I can't do this anymore. Now, sure, it's true that he knows how true that is. He knows how much grace he can give you to sustain you for one day longer, for one month longer, for one year longer, for a lifetime. He knows that. But what is the cry of your exasperated heart? Tell it to the Lord. And if it helps, find a time when nobody's home and you can just really say it aloud. And if, and if, you're, if, if you're not even secure in doing that, get in the car and go for a drive. If you have to drive at night, so you're out alone on the road and there's no chance of anybody seeing you, um, but just cry out to the Lord exactly what's on your heart. Pour it out and pour it out loudly. Because the truth is, God delights to be the source of, of, of solutions for us. He delights to be our provider and protector, our all in all. And our restraint in really telling Him what it is that we need and what we need Him to be for us is not honoring to Him. It's not. And so cry out to the Lord with what's really on your heart. And once again, that this is just maybe the number one thing that I love about the Psalms and why I think it's, it's so healthy for the people of God to visit them regularly in your own prayer time, but even in sermon series like this. Because whatever the need is of any person at any given time, whatever's on your heart, it is uttered somewhere in the Psalms. There, there, there is the cry of that very heart somewhere in the Psalms that says exactly what you want to say and don't even know how to put words to. And here it is once again. In those places where we just can't see, we, we just can't see how, how this is going to work out. I don't, you know what? There's a, there's a pretty long list of things that have emerged in 2020. I, you know, I just don't see how this is going to play out in a, in a favorable way. I don't see how this has a happy ending. I'm not sure how we come together, how we move forward, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I just can't see. And when we can't see, and when you just can't see, stop looking at the situation and look to the Lord with eyes of faith. Cry out to the Lord with what is really on your heart and find Him once again to be worthy of placing our hope in and, and uh, find him to delight in coming to our rescue and being all that we need him to be. Well, let's pray, pray right now. God, you know the burdens on hearts this morning. You know the situations going on in people's lives that really do have them feeling hopeless and despairing. 
some, maybe nobody is quite uh, all the way to the point of, of utter desperation, the end of the line that Alex Kearns found himself in, but it's possible there are some approaching even that point of feeling like I, I can't even see what a good life looks like beyond this point. Lord, would you be gracious? Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy on us. God, you know the people who have had more than enough of the despairing situation they're in. And God, would you just draw out of them the cry of their heart that they might find you to be faithful to hear and answer those cries. We ask you to do that in real ways for individual people with real needs, even this morning. Show yourself, Lord, mighty on our behalf. We ask it in the name of Jesus, who's made even the way for us to come to you and make our prayer before you. Would you receive us in his name? Amen.